Welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. If this is your first time listening, hello and welcome. We value your time and energy and hope you receive a lot from tuning in. As a listener-supported show, we rely on you to help us grow. We'd be so grateful if you share the show or a favorite episode with a friend or fellow health seeker. Living a healthy and nourishing life doesn't always come easily, especially in today's crazy world. But that's why we're here, doing what we love, hopefully helping you along with information and inspiration that fuels your health pursuits. If you're looking for more support, consider subscribing to the monthly Meal Guide membership. Just $11 per month gets you access to a weekly meal guide filled with healing and delicious whole food plant-based recipes, along with invitations to our regularly scheduled support calls where we can connect, answer questions, and keep the good vibes flowing in our healthy lives. You can learn more at www.alter.health slash meal dash guides. And if you're looking for more in-depth support, check out our other services. We offer both one-on-one consulting as well as educational programs. All of our current offerings are listed at www.alter.health. Our ultimate goal is to empower you to heal yourself. Keeping with that theme, let's dive into today's show. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Alter Your Health podcast. It's Medicinal Monday, and I'm Dr. Ben. And I'm Dr. Susanna. And we are both naturopathic doctors who empower you to heal yourself through whole food, plant-based nutrition, and mind-body medicine. And today on the podcast, we're talking about reproductive health and those reproductive hormones that maybe are a little out of whack, or we've got these symptoms that suggest that something's out of whack. Maybe it's PMS, maybe it's other menstrual irregularities or issues, maybe it's menopause, or maybe if there are any gentlemen watching, tuning in, maybe there's fatigue or, you know, I don't know what are like, you know, that andropause stuff, like low T, kind of the blah, the low T blahs. Uh, maybe there's, uh, you know, obesity or just that stubborn weight and kind of like, I don't know. We're going to get all that taken care of (laughs) right here, right now. That's not true. That's not true. But we're going to hopefully unpack all the information that you need to know to take care of all these things yourself, because that's who's in charge of your health. You are. Right. Right. And as we're introducing this topic, I think it's really important to just kind of put it out there that there's so much information, natural, you know, unnatural medicine for hormonal regulation, so many herbs and alternative therapies. And yeah, there's a ton out there. But what we're really going to talk about in this episode is getting to the root of the issue and talking about how our lifestyle practices can support our endocrine system in balancing itself. Because when we talk about the endocrine system or, you know, system that regulates our hormones, it's not just about reproductive hormones, right? It, It brings in all of our other endocrine organs, but Gosh, this is such a an intricate intricate system. Little small amounts of teeny little molecules in the body somehow know how to yeah. organize themselves to create some amount of balance. And I think it's important yeah. that when we talk about balance, we relate to it as this kind of shifting target because 
you know, our, our bodies are never going to have the exact same amount of hormones in any given moment, right? There's always some flux. There's always some play. But there's wisdom in the body. And there's so much wisdom in the endocrine system. Yeah. And so our role is really to live in a way that allows that system to balance itself out. Yeah, totally. And I think uh, you brought up a great point. Of course, the fluctuating, ever-shifting dynamics of our hormones and endocrine system. And the fact is that no two human beings are alike. Of course, no two human beings are alike genetically, but also hormonally. Nevertheless, we have these uh, standard deviations of normal. You know, it's like, oh, this person's got a little uh, elevated that, a little lower that. And yeah, there's maybe something that might be subtly out of whack or could be in better harmony and balance. But it's really hard to compare one person to another uh, hormonally, especially when, you know, whenever we're doing these blood tests, whenever we're doing these urinary hormone labs, whatever it is, that is, like you said, kind of a snapshot in time. And we are, we are trying to paint a picture from just looking at one little frame. We're trying to uh, see what the whole movie is about by just looking at one frame. Um, so we can't really accurately do that. Um, and that being said, Another thing that I think was uh, that you brought up, which is an important thing to just emphasize again, is we're talking about microscopic, minute compounds like they're teeny, like subtle changes. You know, when we're looking at uh, lab values or whatnot, it's we're talking about nanograms per deciliter. We're talking about like literal single compounds of hormones. Some people describe our endocrine system as kind of like a homeopathic system. There's literal, there's teeny amounts of these compounds. Nevertheless, these teeny amounts and subtle changes and shifts in our hormones can obviously have profound effects at the uh, organs that they are uh, modulating and controlling. Right. Definitely. Yes. So how do we create the environment for our body to balance itself? Well, since our body is so wise and our endocrine system is so wise at balancing itself out, the most important thing is that we identify what obstacles are getting in the way of this balancing act, right? <laughs> it's yeah. really, well, that's, that's really like what we need to identify because if we don't identify those obstacles and we just try to tinker around with hormone levels, either with herbs or with taking, you know, exogenous hormones, like taking, you know, mm. uh, you know, I don't know, exogenous testosterone or whatever. Yeah. Um, we're not, we're always going to be ignoring the biggest thing, the big elephant in the room, the big obstacle, right? And, and just on that topic of exogenous hormone replacement, there are risks, right? Um, of course, a lot of people relate to that as just kind of the magic bullet, like, oh, just give yourself more hormones. Um, there are risks to that. And sometimes there's other health issues that are concurrent with hormonal imbalances. And yeah, if we're just kind of managing the hormone levels, the hormone, hormone levels, hormone. <laughs> if we're just managing those hormone levels, then there might be other things that are going unbalanced. So yeah, it sounds, I don't know, it sounds, uh, it doesn't sound as you know, like sexy or I don't know exciting exciting, exciting. testosterone injections and... yeah but the fact and it and it certainly is it's the longer game it's the bigger game um it's not like short-term management it's not a quick fix it's 
but it's also so much more gratifying, at least from my perspective, to experience our body in deeper resonance and balance and alignment versus kind of just the, the tinkering, micromanaging thing. So I think that, you know, we're kind of dwelling on this point, but I think it's obviously a really important point to start from that state of mind and our relationship with our body, with our health, with our hormones, with our endocrine system, being in partnership and collaboration with rather than trying to micromanage and control, which is, of course, the conventional paradigm for sure, but still also the paradigm in so much natural medicine and functional medicine is that kind of green allopathy, just kind of manage, control, modulate the hormones through different substances. But we need to consider why the hormones get disrupted, out of whack and balanced to begin with. And this, and I was kind of giggling when you first brought it up because it's like, to us, it's kind of like, this is how we think, you know, what's causing the imbalance, remove the obstacle, duh. Uh, like that's where we, that's how we think. But, and that is how we think because we're trained to think that way. And we learned how like the first rule to, or the first principle to create more health is identifying and removing the obstacle that is getting in the way from our body and healing and balancing itself because we are self-healing, self-balancing, intelligent organisms. And we just have to create and maintain that environment for the health and balance to flourish. Um, so it's like common sense to us. But again, we hope that it's becoming more clear and common sense to you as you're relating with those things in your environment, in your world, in your nutrition, in your state of minds that might be influencing the balance or stress on the system. Yes. Yeah. So the three big things that I definitely want to make sure we talk about here in terms of obstacles are um, nutritional factors or dietary factors, um, this, our ability to detoxify and metabolize hormones, and also nervous system input. Did, did you also say toxicity? Well, yeah, I guess toxicity the will be that detox, detox toxicity yeah. and detox. Yeah. Okay. Nutrition. So, yes. Let's start with dietary factors. Um, and it's important to recognize that there are actual dietary sources of hormones in our food. Right. Um, I Say think what? we're all pretty much, I mean, not all, I don't know if all of us are aware of this, but I think many people know that a lot of the, you know, animal raising industry involves or factory farming involves actually injecting hormones into animals. And you might think you're getting away from consuming these exogenous hormones by choosing grass fed beef or free range chickens or hormone free chickens or whatever. Or maybe you're just like hunting, you know, it's right. like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to hunt my food. Right. But those are still animals and all animals have hormones. Um, and so even if we're eating those hormone-free, you know, animal products, we're still going to be bringing in some amount of exogenous hormones, especially if we're eating dairy and eggs on the regular, because dairy and yeah. eggs are major sources of hormones. And again, just to reiterate what you were saying, we're not talking about conventional dairy. We're not talking about the stuff that we all agree and all know very clear, the hormone, in, you know, injected dairy cows, like that is obviously a source of exogenous hormones and all other sorts of exogenous toxins that are accumulating from the suboptimal nutrition that those factory farmed animals are given. But we're talking about like the best case scenario, clean, grass fed, you know, backyard dairy cow or goat milk or, or, or chicken, you know, 
chicken eggs laying in your backyard. That's a source, even again, natural, like totally pristine environment. That's a source of exogenous hormones because we know that dairy cows and, you know, the milk from dairy cows, the milk from goats have hormones that are designed to grow a baby cow or a baby goat into an adult cow, just like a mother's milk has hormones that are designed to help a baby grow into an adult grown human where, you know, it's got, it's, it's like what what we're talking about is of course growth hormones and whatnot. Um, But also other more reproductive hormones that are coming through dairy milk and, and whatnot. And the same is of course true for eggs, which, you know, I, I always like to say that, you know, it's just kind of like a, period isn't a, like chicken. A, a chicken period i guess i mean <laughs> a chicken <laughs> yes. a chicken period um so it, it's uh very you know, hormone rich a hormone rich a hormone ball with a little cholesterol in there and, <laughs> and, and protein um sorry no, all joking aside yeah those animal products are unavoidably a source of exogen- exogenous hormones that can just create that strain and imbalance can create that kind of obstacle for our body to remain and create its own balance. And that's why there's so many studies looking at, you know, the removal of dairy from the diet and proving things like acne, hormone related acne, uh, fertility issues, uh, menstrual issues, and the list goes on. Um, Dairy is understood as a very hormone rich beverage, um, but it'd be interesting to see more research done on all animal products. Yeah. So what else comes to mind besides like the animal products and the exogenous hormones from those natural animal products in terms of obstacles for our endocrine system and reproductive hormone health? Well, I mean, that's the big dietary piece. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I think, I mean, there's a lot of other dietary pieces that might be more, they're not like real, you know, all the other, well, there's like the chemicals in foods, right? Right. There's the chemicals in foods, but in a nutshell, just like if we're not eating the animal products, we got to be eating enough balanced whole plant foods. You know, we've got to be, it's hard to, it's hard for our hormones and hormonal regulation to stay balanced and regulated if we're in a state of nutritional deficiency you know so of course that's a huge topic nutritional deficiency how do i avoid nutritional deficiency well in a nutshell it comes down to eating enough whole plant foods while also optimizing our digestive health and function to absorb and assimilate and put to use all the nutrients that we're consuming Um, so that's what the focus should be to create again that environment where we remove the obstacles and provide all the nutrients and resources for hormones to to balance nutritionally. Right. And there's so much more we can say about food and we will eventually further in this podcast episode, but, you know, in talking about kind of these uh, obstacles that directly impact our hormone levels, if we kind of shift into the, the toxicity piece of the conversation, in our environment, there are all these environmental toxins that can be classified as xenohormones, xenoestrogens. Um, and what that means is like foreign estrogens or foreign hormones. And I think probably the most known kind of class of these xenohormones are from plastics, um, you know, BPA and such things like that. Yeah, and PFAs and stuff like that. Yeah, all of these compounds, all these plastic-related compounds are definitely hormone disruptors. 
phthalates, BPAs, PFAs, um, all sorts of different compounds out there that have been studied and, you know, very clearly determined to disrupt hormonal regulation and fertility levels and really uh, human development, like, you know, you know, premature menses and kind of dysregulated menstrual cycles for women and also lack of masculine characteristics, kind of feminizing the masculine a little bit by by creating that, again, those xenoestrogens more in the system um, that disrupt and imbalance and create the imbalance for male hormones as well. Um, So essentially there's, you know, if you were to kind of simplify the issue, it's too much estrogen in our environment, too much estrogen in our environment, creating a state of estrogen dominance for, for women, which um, we know is kind of the main role, the main pusher in uh, PMS related issues and endocrine or um, hormonal imbalances for women uh, also in menopause. And then of course the estrogen dominance is a big player in uh, andropause and low testosterone uh, on the male side of the conversation. Right. Right. And so how these xenoestrogens work is that they bind the estrogen receptors and activate those estrogen pathways in the system. Interestingly, um, that's not how phytoestrogens work. And maybe we can talk about that later. Or should yeah. we talk about that now? Well, it did come to mind when we we're talking mm-hmm. about nutrition and balancing, but I think of quote unquote phytoestrogens, which we always say they're estrogen modulating phytonutrients. They're not like estrogens mm-hmm. because phyto, quote unquote phytoestrogens or estrogen modulating phytonutrients can really help men as well as women in creating and preserving a hormonal imbalance. Yes. Phytoestrogens being some of those phytonutrients found in plants like soy and flax and things like that. Um, So very different. I just wanted to bring that up to classify that those are very different from these xenoestrogens that are from toxic compounds, right? Yeah. And I'll also just bring up the fact, I know that there are a couple of studies that look at men who eat, who they put, they gave men like tons of soy products and then they measured hormone levels. And, And I believe that there's some evidence that if you eat tons of soy products, you can raise estrogen levels in men. Um, And that's not certainly what we're advocating either. You know, we're not advocating eating tons of anything, imbalance of anything. Um, So just wanted to put that out there like that. Yeah, might be a thing. We can imbalance ourselves by doing anything. We can drink way too much water and flood our system without enough electrolytes and minerals and create, you know, imbalance in our body that way. Um, So anyways, too much of anything can imbalance something. Right. So closely connected to this discussion of environmental toxins and xenohormones is also just the state of our own liver and detoxification pathways. Because if we have a sluggish liver, that's going to impair our ability to break down and metabolize hormones and keep our hormone levels in balance. And honestly, liver issues, sluggish liver is the first thing I think of whenever anyone says to me, I think I have hormonal imbalances. And it's funny because they say, I think I have hormonal imbalances. What herb can you give me? And it's like, wait, first we need to look at your liver health. Because like we said, 
your liver is responsible for maintaining healthy levels by breaking down and metabolizing hormones. And so, yes, this can be seen in, you know, PMS, menopause, menopause, we see this majorly because there's such a shift in the hormone levels when a woman enters menopause, the liver all of a sudden has to break down a larger load of hormones than it's used to. Plus, we think of all the other roles that the liver has to do. You can refer back to our liver episode uh, as a refresher on that. So menopausal symptoms, the common symptoms associated with menopause, it was interesting for me to learn and to observe. Of course, I haven't been through menopause. I never will. (laughs) Um, But I know that not every woman who goes through menopause experiences menopausal symptoms. And maybe you just think it's the luck of the draw. and it's not the luck of the draw. I don't really think that luck has to do with much in terms of health. I think we have more power than we're giving ourselves credit. Um, and really what dictates our, our susceptibility to those menopausal symptoms, like you were saying, is the stress and strain on that liver that it has been exposed to over the course of a lifetime. Um, so if we consider like, you know, that liver just kind of we like we talked about in the liver episode, we like to think of it as a bucket. It's kind of we're going through life, putting stuff in this bucket. And yes, as you recall, that bucket has holes. It's it's letting stuff go through excretory organs and functions. But as that bucket accumulates stuff over the course of our lifespan, things might start to reach the top. And then when we get to menopause, we've got this sudden shift in our hormones and a lot of these hormones need to be processed. So those go into the bucket as well. And that can be kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back, so to speak, in terms of what causes the bucket to overflow, resulting in those symptoms that might be related to menopause, like the classic ones of hot flashes and you know sleep issues and mood issues and whatever it might be. But also symptoms of liver imbalance, like stubborn weight gain and, you know, skin issues. And that list goes on and on as well. Right. Yeah. So, you know, when we talk about how to support our liver and mitigate exposure to these, um, you know, exogenous xeno hormones, but any toxin that's going to put stress on the liver, we, of course, need to think about cleaning up our lifestyle in all the ways go back to the liver episode. go back to the liver episode but also this is where nutritionally eating whole food plant-based is so helpful for the liver support plus all the other nutritive practices we can bring in which we talked about in the liver episode so we won't belabor that point here yeah so talked about the nutritional kind of considerations for hormonal reproductive hormone balancing we talked about that toxicity thing and the liver health. What was the other thing? The last one is talking about the nervous system and really kind of the state of our other endocrine organs, which I think we'll talk quite a bit about on Wisdom Wednesday, but especially like, you know, sleep and uh, adrenal dysfunction that like sleep issues and adrenal dysfunction can have a huge effect on our other endocrine organs. Yeah. And That's because, uh, as you remember from listening to our adrenal episode, like all of our endocrine glands are intricately connected. Mm -hmm. And once we put a little bit of stress and strain on one, that's going to put different stress and strain on all the others. Um, So, yeah, we... (sighs) 
man, the people, you know, the, the endocrinologists out there who are responsible for managing and tinkering with hormones props, because that's really hard to do. And as you know, if you do have an endocrinologist, or maybe there's some endocrinologists listening, um, it's kind of impossible. You know, we're not really putting everything in balance, the body balances itself, you know, at best, we're going to be doing our, our, our best to manage those hormones and specifically manage the symptoms related to those hormonal imbalances. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm just thinking about like the thyroid issues and how, you know, we can medicate hypothyroidism with thyroid hormone replacement. And well, yeah, we can put those levels into balance, so to speak, and we can be normal thyroid in normal thyroid range, but oftentimes we'll be in that normal thyroid range. And our endocrinologist did a great job of managing our thyroid hormone, but we still might experience symptoms of hypothyroidism because it's more of a complex conversation. It's not a matter of just putting those numbers within range, like we talked about before, because there's so much else going on. Mm -hmm. So we like to kind of put all the labs and all the numbers and all that kind of biochemistry complexity kind of to the side and just consider how we're feeling like, you know, that, that kind of gold standard to health. How are we feeling? How resilient are we? Um, you know, what is our energy level? How is our relationship with our body and stress and sleep and nutrition and all of these sorts of things? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, this is kind of a great way to kind of, I think, is this our last episode of the Alter Health from Head to Toe series? <laughs> I think it, it might is. be. It might be. We were thinking like, what else? I mean, yes, we could keep going on. There, you could break things down and get reductionistic into anything. Yeah. But I, I think that this is a, a great place to kind of wrap up this series. And it's really cool how it brings together so much, right? It brings together the liver piece. It brings together the adrenal piece. It and brings I, together... Yeah a lot of different pieces. And I think it's like one of the most important things clearly because our reproductive health, our fertility is like kind of important in terms of for the evolution and procreation and uh, expansion of our human race, human species here. Um, so like we've got to consider these things not only for our selfish personal health reasons, for, but also for our communal health and resilience and future, just kind generations. Of future generations. Absolutely. 100%. Right. So hopefully like this, this conversation, this information, the way that I envision and hope is like, you know, all, all these kind of principles and ideas and, you know, removing toxicity, removing the xenoestrogens. I, I hope that all of this becomes so mainstream. It's just like so common sense, just like, um, I don't know, smoking or something like that. It's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna smoke because I know that it's going to create oxidative damage in my body. Oh yeah. I'm not going to do that plasticky stuff because I know it's going to disrupt my hormones, you know? And I think we're getting there in terms of that kind of psychologic awakening and, you know, awareness to all these issues. But hopefully that also leads to like, you know, with smoking, those smoking zones, <laughs> like, like, and again, like, yeah, there's also already like plastic free and like no plastic bags. Like, you know, people are doing that, but hopefully it becomes like just so obvious, so widespread and spreading this kind of information, I think is the only way to get there. Mm, totally. 
Totally. So um, we will still be back for Wisdom Wednesday talking about the brain reproductive connection, um, which, you know, we'll definitely talk more about the stress and the sleep um, impact on our reproductive health in that episode, which we look forward to. But um, this has been a really fun series. And I want to thank everyone who's been following along thus far in the series. And um, stay tuned, because as always, we have more for you coming forward into the future. All right. Yeah, that's (laughs) for sure. Peace and love, you guys. We'll see you next time. Bye for now.